0: Hello and welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast And Today, as always, i host, Evan Sidery, and I'm joined, actually, by a special co-host slash guest today, Wes Goldberg. He is the co-host of Locked On Heat. Brendan Clean is not here today. He is off at work, but I have Wes in here, and we're going to do a mock trade negotiation for Goran Dragic. I know a lot of our listeners have suggested us do something along the lines of this with Goran Dragic. We did one with George Hill on Monday with Chris Manning of Locked On Cavs. But we saw John Gamadora, West of Arizona Sports tweet out, I believe, early last week about the possibility of Goran Dragic being made available. And John Gambadora indeed did say he is available in trade talks. That doesn't mean there's any traction now between the Heat or the Suns. But what do you make of the Heat making Goran Dragic r- reportedly available?
1: Well, let me ask you a question first. Is that – I never heard of this guy before, and I, I was kind of looking through – I was kind of looking them up. Is that a reputable source? I mean, that's my first question. You would probably know better than I would.
0: Yeah, Gambo breaks a lot of like local stuff as far as that goes. I know he's been trying to get in the more national scene. I know Mark Stein kind of tweeted out a couple times before this summer. So I would take it with maybe a slight grain of salt, but I trust him.
1: As you would anybody else, I guess. That, that sort of grain of salt. Um, look, I. it makes sense if, if you're the Heat... If they are really looking at maybe clearing the deck and trying to clear out some salary, I don't, from a talent standpoint, from a fit standpoint, it doesn't make sense to trade Goran Dragic coming off of the all-star appearance that he was on, um, given that the Heat don't really have a backup point guard, right? I mean, they have Justice Winslow. They could have Dwayne Wade coming back. Deion Waiters coming back. Guys who can sort of run that position, but no, not a true point guard uh, other than Dragic on the roster. That said, I think that Pat Riley is being honest when he says things at the end of the season like everybody is available. I think everybody is available for the right price, right? And I don't know what the price is for Goran Dragic. I don't know if the Phoenix Suns could match that price, and and we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think that everybody can be available at a price, and if you're the Heat— and you're looking to maybe try to clear some salary cap space, and they are, by the way. They are trying to actively clear salary cap space. They are currently operating above the luxury tax. They don't want to be operating above the luxury tax for this team, for basically a team that is a first-round-and-out in the Eastern Conference type of roster. And so they're going to have to explore every possible angle to do that. And obviously they'd like to get off of a Tyler Johnson making $19 million a year or Hassan Whiteside making 20 million a year, and they've been trying to get off of those contracts, and obviously they haven't yet. And the third biggest salary on the team behind Whiteside and Tyler Johnson is Goran Dragic. So if you're going to clear a bunch of cap space in one fell swoop, that's the next logical choice, right, is to trade Dragic. And of anybody on the roster, he probably has the most trade value because he plays a premium position. He's coming off of an all-star appearance. He's kind of one of these guys who can shoot well enough and pass well enough and he's not so bad defensively. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, Lou Williams or something like that in this case. He is a little bit better defensively. He at least tries really hard on that end. And he's got leadership skills that and, and doesn't have a personality that's going to dramatically change any locker room. So he's one of these guys who you can sort of just plug and play into any position and into any roster, really. And so he does have a lot of trade value, especially when you compare it to the other bigger salaries that Miami has So, yeah, that's the long answer to your question. The short answer is yes, I do think that they're making them available as they are making anybody on that roster available, but I don't know if they're actively shopping them either.
0: The Heat's roster, I'm looking at the payroll right now, Wes, it's just really interesting how they set it up because I don't know if they were thinking they were winning now a couple years ago, but with the way the roster's set up now with Whiteside, Johnson, Dragic, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, Kelly Olenek, Josh Richardson, you have all these guys under contract making double-digit millions a year, what do you make of the current direction of the roster and where it could head? Because like you mentioned in, that, in the answer you gave, you, you have so many contracts you have to get off of if you at least want to be attractive enough to even get to max space. And also, like I was mentioning there, attract the, the main the main guy as far as the star goes in free agency.
1: Well, the heat are in a bind. I mean, there's, there's people who are pessimistic. There's people that are optimistic. I suppose I fall somewhere in the middle, but uh, most of these contracts are going to be off the books in the next three years. And a lot of people will point to that and say, well, Miami has their draft picks now. They can get off of these contract In, in two or three years, they're going to have a lot more salary cap space. And that's true. But you could really say that about any NBA team. In two or three years, every NBA team at some point will have more cap space. And the only thing that really sets the heat apart in that respect is that they have a history of being able to recruit high-priced, big-name free agents, where a lot of teams don't have that history, right? Um, And so, yeah, if you're looking at two or three years down the road, sure, maybe there's some optimism, but Pat Riley didn't have to put this group together so that he could, you know, two years ago, essentially, is when he really started to put this core together. He didn't do that so that five years after, he could go after a big-name free agent. He did that so he put this group together. He re-signed James Johnson, Deion Waiters, brought brought in Tyler Johnson, re-signed white Whiteside, and gave all these guys big contracts, long-term contracts, because he wanted to see this team grow. Organically is a word that he uses a lot. And so, he does believe that there is room for this group to improve, despite not having a lot of cap flexibility. They do have their draft picks now, after losing a bunch to Phoenix in the Dragic trade. Um... And, and then a bunch of second-round picks that they've been basically out on because they used a lot of those during the LeBron era. But, uh, yeah, there is some room for internal growth that really depends on Josh and Justice Winslow and Bam Adebayo. How do those three guys develop? Do those three guys become starters? Do, does one of them pop and become a star player? I mean, that's something that they're hoping from all three of them. And so that's really where the optimism is, is with those three guys. The, the biggest question is how do you get those those guys enough playing time to where they can actually develop. Because at some point, yeah, you can develop a guy like Bam as a rookie off the bench and get spot minutes here and there. But at some point you gotta get those guys into real positions of power on the team and let them develop from there.
0: I wanted to ask a quick question about Justice Wenzo because he was in the same draft as Devin Booker. And I've mm-hmm. I just wonder what your thoughts are on Winslow's development so far because he's making three and a half million this year, but we think it's going to cost for a guy like Justice Winslow. As he heads toward restrictive free agency, and I I imagine this summer 2019.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what the he's also due for an extension, right? So I think the the number that that is being is being kind of put out there is nine or ten million dollars a year, which sounds about right. That's what Josh Richardson is making, basically. Um, and so you look at the extension Richardson signed last summer or last year, last fall, and, and probably something similar for Justice Winslow. His development has been up and down for the first three years. I mean, he missed most of his sophomore year because of uh, of an injury. And last year was kind of up and down. But mostly it's been for because of what I was just saying. you got to find a way to get those guys into a position of power on the court where they're actually affecting the game. They're not just playing a spot minutes here and there. And for Winslow, it's been tough because... Miami's tried him from everything from small forward to power forward to playing him at center sometimes as a rookie. They played him at point guard a lot down the stretch of last season. They've got to really settle into not only what Justice Winslow's position is, but what his role on the team is. Is he a facilitator? Is he a catch-and-shoot guy? Is he just a defender who you're trying to hide on offense? What What is it that you want to do with Justice Winslow? And I think they really started to turn a corner in the playoffs last year against the Sixers where he was playing that point forward role, basically playing backup point guard duties when Dragic was off the court. And so offensively, he was sort of like Miami's version of Ben Simmons. Defensively, he's just a lockdown wing defender and a very versatile one at that, too. He can he can guard positions one through five, quite literally. And so I think that his his best case for his development was made in the playoffs, and he showed a lot more confidence, not only shooting, but just his mannerisms. I mean, we you remember when he was stepping on uh, on Joel Embiid's face mask? I yeah, yeah. love that. I mean, he got a lot of crap for that. Uh, but look, I want to see that anger. I want to see that that edge from him because quite frankly, we haven't really seen a whole lot of that in his for a couple of years. So, I like it seems like he's playing with a little bit more personality, playing with a little more confidence. And so I'm a lot I'm that playoff series has me very optimistic going into next season if he can, if he could build on that and kind of keep keep going with that. I think he's Of all these guys, I think he's going to have the biggest improvement next season.
0: Now, a couple more questions here before we go into our mock trade negotiation for Goran Dragic, and I'd be remiss not to ask about Derek Jones Jr. We call him airplane (laughs) mode in Phoenix. It looked like in summer league, his jumper was a lot better than it ever was in Phoenix, and especially Miami last year. What are your thoughts on his long-term development? Because he could be not exactly a Justice Winslow-esque guy, but he at least could be like just a tier below him if he hits his development right.
1: Yeah, I got to talk with uh, DJ a little bit during summer league, and then obviously the coaching staff um, over the summer as well. And and first of all, Derek Jones Jr. is very aware of the fact that if you don't have a jumper, he said, if you don't have a jumper, you don't survive in today's NBA. And as as athletic as he is, as high of a jumper as he is, as you know, all these things that he does well. It doesn't matter if you can't shoot, and he he understands that, so he spent a lot of time the last couple of years trying to develop that jumper and it looks good. it looks good on TV it looks good in person uh, it looks smooth, it looks consistent. I think there's obviously still room to grow there, but it looks much better than it had the first couple of years his first couple of years in the league uh, and as far as the coaches are concerned, they are very impressed and, and very optimistic because of that improvement they're seeing they're seeing consistent results from him. They're happy with the work that he's put in to try to make the roster and try to make the regular season team, um, and so there is a lot of optimism around him. I don't know how much playing time he'll realistically get. I think he's probably best as a shooting guard in the NBA if that jumper is really what it looks like. Um, that that makes some sort of a long, you know, uh, you know, a long like Andre Roberson, Danny Green type of body, but a guy who can shoot a little bit from the outside. Can maybe put the ball down on the floor and, and attack closeouts off the dribble. Um, so I think we're very optimistic about him. He's one of those kind of end of the bench, breaking case of emergency, breaking case of injury type of options. But if Miami is able to sort of clear out some of these guards that they have, he is a you know a logical player to sort of elevate into that group and allow and that he could allow him to develop that way. But I wouldn't be surprised also if he sort of went back and forth between their G League team in Sioux Falls and the regular season roster.
0: Yeah. DJ is so intriguing just because like you mentioned, he's so explosive athletically, but his jump shot now, it just looks so impressive that he could be a guy cracks the heats rotation. I think late in the season, if things break his way, but my last point,
1: he's got really good instincts too defensively. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He likes to jump passing lanes and do things like that. And that's something the Heat really need uh, as well. And I could imagine. if, like the best version of Derrick Jones Jr. alongside the best version of Justice Winslow and the best version of Josh Richardson is scary to think about.
0: Yeah, that has the potential to be a very good young back young really wing rotation there. You have Derek Jones, 21, Winslow, 22, Ripston, 24. Mm-hmm. But wanted to ask one final question here. Let me throw the GM how on you before we even go into the mock trade negotiation. If you're in Pat Riley's shoes, Wes, do you blow up this core this year?
1: Well, that's kind of that's really priming this conversation that we're about to have, right? Because that's kind of what it all it kind of all falls back on. Uh, I go back and forth between this, honestly, man. I wish I had a hotter take for you, but it's at some point you kind of want to see what this veteran group can do. There is if, if Pat Riley is right, and more often times than not in his career, he has been right. Then there is value in continuity that we haven't seen yet the Heat were very injured last year. And not only with Deion Waiters, but Hassan Whiteside was playing hurt all season. Um, a bunch of guys missed a lot of games. If they can get this group healthy, I'd like to see what they can do. I'd like to see what healthy Whiteside can do. I'd like to see what Deion Waiters can do when he's healthy. If that Or if that last, like the last 30 games two years ago was just a fluke for him. Um, but I wouldn't say blow it up now. I would say that the... The best way to go about this is if by February, by the mid-season trade deadline, this group hasn't taken a noticeable step forward, then I think you move to go ahead and try to blow this thing up. Um, there's no trade, right? Most of the dust is settled. Most of the teams in the league right now are, are pretty much set with their roster. There isn't a trade that you can make right now that probably won't be available at the trade deadline. If anything, there'll probably be more trades available at the trade deadline. Maybe you can move a guy like Whiteside or Dragic if we don't move him sooner you can move guys that can contribute immediately to a a contending team that might be dealing with an injury to one of their position players or or whatever it might be so i would say no i would not blow it up now i would wait for the trade deadline and then ask that question to me again you know closer in january or february
0: well i'm in ryan mcdonough's shoes for this exercise and i'm in kind of desperation mode my point guard rotation is shaq harrison elia kobo D'Anthony melton 15 total starts between all three of those guys, two of which are rookies. Harrison can't shoot. He's a good defender, but Okobo and Melton, like I said, are rookies. And I, I, don't, I can't trust them this early on to be starting quality point guards, at least this early in their development. So, Pat Riley, Wes, I'm going to call you up right now. And I'm offering what, – what, at first, before I even asked what I'm offering first up, what would it take for you to listen about Goran Dragic?
1: Well, if you look at what Miami's needs are, we're looking basically for a superstar – Or Cap Relief. And, you know, the draft assets were a part of that. I think that there's still a need there for draft assets, but I don't know if it's a particular motivator to move on from somebody like Goran Dragic. I think, if anything, we're, again, looking to upgrade the roster via a superstar player, somebody who could be a superstar within the next couple of years, or, again, Cap Relief. And so and that that clears the decks enough so that we could be a real player in this next free agency. And, frankly... You know, if we move Goran Dragic, that's a good first step of clearing eighteen plus million dollars off the cap next year, but it still doesn't get Miami anywhere clear anywhere near max cap space. So the the, you know there's have to be you know some subsequent deals after that. So with that in mind, I have to ask you first and foremost: you're not trading Devin Booker for Goran Dragic, right?
0: Not a chance.
1: Not and not DeAndre Ayton for Devin for for Goran Dragic. So that's basically your two. All superstar caliber players, right? Josh Jackson's a nice guy, hasn't shown enough his first year um, to warrant being called superstar potential. But those, so, but between those two guys, obviously you're not trading them for Dragic, so you can cross superstar off that list. We're not getting that in this deal.
0: Let me throw my first offer your way, and I think it's actually a good one for you because you do get that, that first step of cap relief, and these are all expiring deals for you. I, I can counter back if you want me to, but let me think hear about what you say here. And it's Goran Dragic for Tyson Chandler, the expiring contract of Darrell Arthur, two thousand nineteen Suns second round pick unprotected, two thousand twenty bucks pick via the via the Suns.
1: Right. That Bucks pick is the first rounder that is technically due in twenty nineteen, but it's so heavily protected it's probably gonna convey in twenty twenty. Yeah, that right. Odds are, yeah. Yeah. Um, that gets us pretty close. It, it's a good starting point. Um, I think that, yeah, we're clearing if you, you know, we're looking at clearing 18 to $19 million next year. If we probably buy out Tyson Chandler. If that were the case, we'd be fine with doing that. Um, the pick is okay. It's not that valuable considering it's Milwaukee's pick and we expect them to take a pretty nice leap in the Eastern conference we're probably looking at somewhere between, I don't know, the 23rd and 28th pick, you know, best-case scenario for them. So I'm not sure that's going to do a whole lot. So we're really only getting a little bit of cap space there. We'd like to find a way to either get more draft assets out of the deal to where we feel like that pick could lead to a a potential superstar or get more cap relief out of it.
0: So so how close are we, would you say?
1: Would you... Would you be willing to take on another salary in addition to? to obviously, you're getting Goran Dragic. That doesn't count as a salary for you guys. Would you be willing to take on a Dion Waiters, for example?
0: How many years does he have left? It looks like three.
1: Between, between and he's making eleven and a half to twelve million each year.
0: You would have to take on T.J. Warren, but I would need okay. to. I would need some draft capital back as well because Warren's a better player than Waiters.
1: What about? Well, let me ask you this first. Would you prefer, if you had to pick, if you, would you prefer having the Dion Waiters at about $12 million a year for the next three years or Tyler Johnson at $19 million a year for two years? So after this year, it'll be an expiring next year.
0: Taking off the GM hat here for a second, it, would Dion be content, you think, being a six-man?
1: <sighs> yeah, I think he would in the right situation. I mean, he was happy with it in Oklahoma City. Um you know, and so, but that's because you had to play behind basically Russell Westbrook. Um, if he's playing behind Devin Booker and Goran Dragic, I could see it. Um, or behind like, you know, Devin Booker, Goran Dragic, and Josh Jackson, if that's your starting kind of perimeter trio there. It's honestly pretty tough. The biggest thing with Dion is that he's coming off of an ankle injury, uh, and he had surgery on that. He's looking pretty good in the summer, but, that would be he would have to you know pass the physical and get back into playing shape, and he might not be ready for the start of the season.
0: Preferably, if I'm being honest, I would not want to take on an additional salary like Johnson or Waiters, just because I, I want to keep that max. The Suns have max cash space availabilities for next summer if they just stretch Ryan Anderson's contract, so I want to keep that available to them. So what, what, what would you counter back if you don't, I don't want extra salary back? If... Unless it's like a young guy you don't want.
1: Yeah, not really, because the, the Dion Waiters and the Tyler Johnson contracts are the big ones. James Johnson is another contract, but he's actually he's actually a helpful player, at least for us. But we would be willing to, you know, move on from James Johnson if if it made sense for you guys. I just don't know how he fits with what you guys are trying to do. Um, let's see. Yeah, because the counter I would have would be Dragic and Dion Waiters for Tyson Chandler, TJ Warren and a pick.
0: I, I would seriously consider that, but just thinking about what the GM would do, because uh, I I don't want Dion's contract. That's the thing, so I would say no, thanks. I want some draft capital back from you as well.
1: Yeah, draft capital we just really don't have at this point. Um, so where are we right now? We're at Goran Dragic for Tyson Chandler,
0: Darrell Arthur's contract, and the the Bucks pick and the Suns second How much round is pick. All Seven and a half million, but you can buy him out.
1: Okay. And it was a 2020 pick, and what else?
0: The Sun's second round pick, which would probably be like top 40, top 45 in
1: 2019.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's still. Again, the problem I have with that is that we're not getting anything closer to a superstar player. What a. Obviously, what I would counter with then is your pick, right? Because we expect that you guys will be picking higher than Milwaukee next year. Could, we could protect it, obviously, but we'd like to at least have the chance of it landing in the lottery. Would you do like? Would you do Dragic for you know the, those expiring deals that make the math work, and then just one of your first-round picks protected one through seven for
0: 2019 or 2020. Either or. Ooh. I would do the Suns 2020 pick, but I want full lottery protections on it.
1: Mm. No, see, that's the reason is we need need to at least get in the lottery or have the chance to get in the lottery because that leads us to one of our two things, right? The cap relief for the superstar. And we're not getting enough cap relief because you're not taking on a Waiters or a Tyler Johnson. So we need to have the potential at least to get to a superstar player so we can protect it. We could protect it maybe one through we can lottery protect it this year. And so if you guys make the playoffs, surprisingly in the West, it'll convey and you guys kinda get out scot free. And then maybe in twenty twenty it's it's, you know, top seven protected and we have that we still have a chance to land one of the other seven picks in the lottery.
0: What's your thoughts on Elio Kobo and D'Anthony Milton?
1: they fine. They don't. <laughs> I don't think but I don't think any of them are superstars. That seem those guys seem sort of like throw in trades, sort of like how the Ryan Anderson trade worked out for you guys.
0: Okay. So um let me think here.
1: The what? other option is Josh Jackson.
0: No, I'm not I'm not trading him. Okay. All right. Um so ch- we're on Chandler, Durrell Arthur, 2019 Sun second round pick. Um so you want you'd rather do the Suns pick than the Bucks pick, right?
1: Yeah, basically, what we're asking you is take that, take your Milwaukee pick for 2020, and your Suns pick for this next year, and then just instead, in, up combine those two, upgrade it to a Suns first round pick that has the potential to land in the lottery, so that we actually have the chance to maybe land, you know, a nice young prospect down the down the road.
0: All right, since it's a first round pick, I'll take my. Second round pick for 2019 off the table. So I'll just offer Chandler, Darrell, Arthur, 2020 top seven protected Suns first round pick for Goran Dragic. But is it
1: 2019 lottery protected? Because I think that's how we have to trade it. And then a 2020 top seven protected. Ooh. I mean, that's honestly better for you. Yeah. Because I, you guys don't make the playoffs. So either way, it's gonna you guys aren't making the playoffs this year. No. So 2020 top seven protected is what we're looking at
0: yeah lottery protected now twenty twenty top seven
1: okay and then if it somehow falls within the top if it if it falls within the top twenty and you guys keep it then in twenty twenty one it conveys to unprotected
0: that that sounds fine by me yeah that works for me all
1: right then I think we have a deal wow,
0: okay i like that
1: <laughs> so just so now what i'm so now what i'm gonna do right is I've now got a pick that can very well turn into a lottery pick for us, and so we're going to hope that that pans out and we end up getting a, a nice player out of that. But now I also have the ammo to turn around and shop one of my own picks, right? One of my own Heat picks, which we hope are not is not going to land as high as the Suns' pick the next couple of years. I can now turn around and use that to shop one of Tyson Chandler or Hassan Whiteside to get a further cap relief. And now I've accomplished both things that I'm looking at. The, the potential for a superstar, even though we're very far from that, um, and and some additional cap relief. So I'm able to trade to get off of Dragic, Dragic's $18 million for next year, and potentially with the with the first round pick of Sweetener, maybe one of Whiteside or Tyler Johnson to another team.
0: That actually makes a lot of sense as far as congruent moves coming up for the Heat, if this actually did happen, you would probably use that pick or one of your own picks packaged together to get off of Johnson or even someone like James Johnson as well. Exactly. So what would you think if this trade actually did go down, Wes, what would you grade it for both sides here?
1: I would probably grade it a, a B for the Heat. Um, again, there is no guarantee of having – I'm kind of going back, and I, I may have been wiser to insist on an additional second-round pick to grease the wheels on a trade down the road for us. Um, I probably should have pushed a little harder for a second rounder, and then, uh, and then again, there is no clear path to a superstar or a cap relief uh, to land a superstar with. But again, if I if I'm Pat Riley and I'm thinking that I do have, look, I've been I've been on the phone trying to trade Whiteside and Tyler Johnson the last several months. I probably have an idea of what I need to move one of those guys anyway. So if I think that adding one of the first round picks that we have um, to one of those guys would make it happen, I think in in whole, it would still grade out pretty well. The trade individually, I'd give a B. Uh, For the Suns, I think that it it works out really well for you guys um, where, you know, you you were still owed one of those picks from Miami. You moved it to Philadelphia, and now you're moving another pick back to Miami to get Dragic back. And so I think Suns fans might have an issue with that. But – If you look at what, if you look at what Phoenix is trying to do, they're trying to get more competitive right away, which is a nice goal to have. And then you're looking to try to develop other the rest of this roster. Having a guy like Goran Dragic not only is going to help the development of Devin Booker because now you can play him off the ball a little bit more. But we've seen routinely with big men in the NBA, they develop almost as well as their guards play for them, and as well as their guards serve them. And right now, yeah, Devin Booker is showing some development running the pick and roll. But it'd be nice to have a, a, a veteran who. Is, who specializes in doing that to help DeAndre Ayton's uh, development as well, and, and again, Dragic can shoot pretty well from the perimeter, so that helps space the floor when you guys when you have guys like T.J. Warren and Josh Jackson on the court. Um, so I think he's he's a great fit actually. Dragic is almost the perfect point guard for what Phoenix is trying to do because he's also not ta- he's not a high usage player. He's not going to take looks away from Devin Booker. Um, Devin Booker can remain the alpha dog on offense, and Dragic is just fine with that. And then he knows uh, Igor Kokoskov. He's got that relationship. Um, from Eurobasket, and so I think Dragic will also provide a nice veter- veteran locker room presence for that group, which again is huge for the development of a young team.
0: Yeah, especially guys like Dante Mellon and Elio Cobo for at least two mm-hmm. years. He's a perfect guy to mentor for, at least in Igor's offensive scheme, which Dragic flourished in last fall in Eurobasket. So, I appreciate coming on today, Wes. I think we'll wrap it up at, at that. We're probably getting here close to time. So, I appreciate coming on Wes and and if this actually does kind of fruition, we'll say we had it first.
1: <laughs> I love doing these hypothetical trades are a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on Evan. Yeah,
0: no problem.